from Flourish DX, this is the Mentally Healthy Workplaces Asia podcast. With workplace mental health becoming a critical issue for businesses, this is the source of information for creating sustainable and mentally healthy workplaces in Asia. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Mentally Healthy Workplaces Asia podcast. My name is Wenli Lim, and I'm the Chief Impact Officer at Flourish DX and host of this podcast. So the purpose of this podcast is to have conversations, practical guidance from subject matter experts, service providers, innovative tech platforms, and employers in the region. So we believe in um, talk, taking a shared responsibility approach to workplace mental health. Um, so we'd love to talk to you know, employers, um, individuals, uh, colleagues, and really looking at this as a broader community um, to really create mentally healthy workplaces so we can prevent suffering and promote human flourishing. So today um, we have a very special guest, Jay Ng, who is the founder of WeShine. Hi, Jay. Welcome to the podcast. Good morning, Wern. Really happy to be here. I'm not Thank so sure I'm special. No, you are. Everyone is special. We all have oh, different right. gifts and talents. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. Well, Jay, just want to thank you for your time because I know you're really, really busy. Uh, like a lot of uh, startup founders, uh, it's and especially being a sole founder, you know, you've got a, a to-do list that is, I can't even imagine how long. Um, and also you're a father of two little ones. So um, yeah, maybe give us a glimpse a day in your life as a startup founder, just so that people can get you uh, get to know you a little better. I think first off the cuff is that uh, we shouldn't really, or I I should, I don't, you know, I, I try to remind myself that don't wear business as a badge of honor. Um, and that is so important because especially in Singapore, uh, where I'm from, um, everyone's just so busy and everyone is just so um, productive that sometimes business becomes a badge of honor and you go around and say, hey, how are you doing? Oh, I'm really busy. I'm really busy. And is that really a good thing? I, 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 as I grow older, I remind myself that that's not really a good thing because uh, it means that perhaps you're not as efficient as uh, in prioritizing and things like that. And, you know, uh, talking about mental health, I think there's some repercussion about uh, leading a more balanced life. And I think balanced life does lead to uh, better productivity, actually. Yeah, so just, just a little bit of that. I'm sure we'll I love that. Thank you. <laughs> into that. What's my typical day? Um, I start my day rather, uh, rather early. And the reason is because, again, I, I sort of like to experiment with things and when I, so my son is turning seven and I have a newborn, a baby girl who is eight months now. And so when I started being a father, I realized that, especially for my kids, uh, it, it takes a long time to put them to bed. Uh, but as an individual, as a father, uh, me and my wife, we know that, okay, this is something that we want to be involved in, putting the kids to bed, <laughs> reading a storybook. And so then I realized what is, it's not very efficient. So I have a couple of options. In, in terms of how I live my, my, my time, uh, do I put them to bed and then wake up in the, in the night or not? So I kind of realized that uh, it is not so efficient because when I put them to bed, I tend to fall asleep as well. <laughs> you know, simple things like that. <laughs> I'm then, sure when, many yeah, parents do that too. It gets, it gets difficult for me to wake up and I'm not that productive. And it gets very hard to fall back to sleep after. So what I've done is uh, I, go to, I go to bed early with them. Uh, but I try to wake up early. So I'm talking about 4 a.m. 
and but it's difficult because I'm a night yeah. owl. You see, there's, there's a lot of conflicts in in yeah. all of us. <laughs> but I guess uh, the more I try, the easier it gets. And I'm I'm well rested generally. I start the day early, and I typically start the first two hours of the day uh, on myself in the quiet of the early morning. Uh, just spending quiet time. Yeah. Um, I'm for for me. I'm reading the Bible, things like that. And uh, also thinking then about um, whatever requires a lot of my brain power, because I realized that the brain works the best um, in terms of thinking strategically, and also maybe on reflection, uh, and also on creativity. Mm -hmm. So if I if I need some if I is if there's a problem that I'm really stuck at at night, I try to do that early in the morning. So that's typically how how I start my day. Yeah. Start my day by by myself without anyone. Uh, but just trying to tackle some of these uh, more difficult things with a focus also on my inner self, if you, mm. yeah, if I if I can use that term, yeah. Um, then I think the day tend to be quite hectic, which I think most people's days are. Um, but of course now I think it's mostly uh, Zoom, so I, I think that's still the case for me. Yeah. Um, before COVID, I think it's just uh, lots of meetings, running around, meeting up with people. Um, and then I try to have dinner at home. Yeah. So, and most of them have been quite successful. Um, and then the evening, I think, is uh, family time. So after, and there's not that many hours actually. So after dinner, we tend, it tends to be like seven, eight, and then uh, just again doing all the routine stuff of putting, yeah, the, I've been getting the parent. to, yeah, getting yeah. The, the, the children to bed actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. So all, all that thing. Oh, great. Well, um, it sounds like you've um, kind of, you know, got a bit of a schedule going and, you know, even boundaries and when you keep time to yourself and all that. I think that's really great. Um, so, yeah, maybe we can dive into your career. I know you've done a lot of different things. Um, and, um, yeah, would you just like to share, you know, how you started and what you've done? And also, I think what we really, uh, um, just from talking to you, just having conversations around being a leader, and how even the experiences you've had informs how you now lead um, and even uh, leading teams, but even in the current startup, when you hire and you have a bigger team, it's how do you do that? So yeah, um, far away. In terms of career, um, I've been a bit of uh, some called jack of all trade. Uh, I, I think that can be the way that I describe myself. Um, so I've had professionally, I think uh, mainly in finance. So I started in a uh, bulge bracket bank. I've been in a very small hedge fund briefly. I also manage money for government agency. So um, mainly in finance, but across different types of organizations, uh, which actually exposed me to different ways of working internally and culturally. Uh, from a very driven uh, New York based hedge fund, start, uh, it's not a startup, but a small team, about 50. Um, to government, you know, which is a, a, a different creature altogether. Uh, so that's professionally. Uh, in between those uh, times where I was working for people, uh, I've started various things as well. Um, in fact, my first business was in university, uh, manufacturing laptop sleeves. <laughs> oh, wow. Just, just distributing in, in the school on consignment. Yeah. Uh, but thereafter, I started a couple of things, had my fair share of failures. In fact, a lot more failures. I don't think I've, yeah. So anyway, <clears throat> uh, 
that led to, and then I took a break to do my master's actually in Cambridge. Uh, that's kind of like my quarter life crisis. Uh, but interestingly, I, I mean, I've thought about doing a master's, um, but I've never really gotten down to it. And then somebody actually over lunch told me, hey, there's this scholarship that the bond is very easy. You know, you don't really, you don't really, I mean, there is a bond, but uh, it's very easy to fulfill. And uh, you serve national service, don't you? So I'm from Singapore, we serve in the army. And then he says, hey, this is your chance to take back, you know, your kind of rebate or whatever. I say, hey, that's a good, that's a very good idea. <laughs> so, I, so I submitted for the scholarship. I got it. And then uh, they say, okay, but you need a school. So I say, okay, I, I don't have a school, you know. So I look at whatever. And I don't have SAT. Is it SAT? No, it's not SAT. GMAT. Yeah. Mm. And I don't have GMAT because I've never thought of doing a master's. I mean, I, I was thinking about it, but I wasn't like actively yeah. going after it. So then I have a scholarship. I don't have a school. So I look at whatever there is one year and it doesn't require a GMAT. I found that there's only two schools in the, I think, that, that fulfills that requirement. And I selected Cambridge as one of them. So I say, okay. And then I told my wife, oh, actually, this, this just happened. And uh, I'm going to submit. I'm going to apply for school. If you get it, do you want to go with me? Uh, she said, okay, that's a good idea. And my son was already born by then. Oh. So we kind of say, we kind of told ourselves that this is like our sabbatical. So yeah. just take one. Because I'm, I'm not a good student. So all my life when I go to school, I don't study. So to me, I go to master's. I, mean, I just go to be there and enjoy myself. Uh, and then I, I applied. I got it. So we spent one year uh, in the UK. Uh, but that also allowed, so that one year was quite pivotal. It's a very important year in our lives. Mm. Um, first, many things happened, but I think uh, I can also say that it was a year that I got exposed to many things because when I was in Cambridge, one of the reasons why I selected Cambridge was because I didn't just want to go to a business school. I mean, you know, and, and just uh, think about, and just network around people who tend to come out and say, okay, I'm, I'm coming back to investment banking or consulting. I deliberately wanted to go to, but of course I didn't have many choices because I don't have GMAT. But Cambridge mm. was um, interesting to me because I think it allows me to network with, or to make friends actually, uh, with many people that are so different from myself. And that's indeed the case. Uh, when I was there, I would be talking to like physicists and you know just people who are awesome. And in the course that I did, uh, there were like 50, of us but I think coming from 35 countries things like mm. that uh, so I really love it and for one whole year although I was doing master of finance but it allowed me to uh, go to many other places around campus and listening to for example Stephen Hawking's you know when I was there I was listening to some of the lectures that he, he gave and that opened up my mind in terms of being so by that time I've been in um, my career for about 10 years mm. uh, and sometimes we can feel very stuck in something right especially in when you're like 10 years uh, it gets very difficult to move to a different field um, this allowed me time to think about what do I really want after or rather for the next phase of my career so that led me to um, one thing led to another I ended up serving my bond so I had a bond uh, but also serving my bond, uh, trying to contribute back to the fintech industry in Singapore. So that's what happened that led me to um, work on this blockchain B2B startup with my secondary school, school friend, actually. 
Yeah. And so maybe we'll um we'll touch on that one because in that um you basically grew a team um and you were you know the co-founder and CEO as well. Um so I guess like you know in just talking about creating mentally healthy workplaces um there is a lot of tech startups in Singapore and in this region and um and some of them are actually really great like in terms of um being very aware of mental health and looking after their teams so maybe can you share like how was it like to lead a, a startup and how mm-hmm. did you you know like um you maybe just share some you know some successes in terms of building it but also how was that on your own mental health uh, in terms of um growing a fast growing startup Right. So I was talking about my time in Cambridge, and mm. and then um, and then the next thing I talk about was this. But something happened in between, uh, and wouldn't have told you about uh, about this before. Uh, I fell sick, and that was uh, ten months in total, uh, infection related. Um, the details of it, are, are, it's not not that important. But what's important is that this is actually pivotal on my life and my worldview. There's two. Uh, very important things that happen uh, that is pivotal. It changed the way I view many things, uh, including including my family. So my wife being true with me um, from for both of these things, um, we are aligned. So one of these um, number one is that I had a near death experience through my ten months of um, being sick, and the first two months was in UK, and then um, so eight months in Singapore. Now, the first two months, I just briefly described. Um, so I couldn't walk, I'm a bit ridden, and it's painful. I remember after maybe three weeks, I can manage to get about five minutes of walk um, just below where I stay. Um, I tell you, when I, when I because it's, it's UK, it's cold, and when I open the, the, the door and I step outside, I was like, wow, it feels amazing to be able to walk and breathe in this air. You know, I really, I'm like, wow, this is, this is heaven. (laughs) Just being able to breathe the fresh air and to be able to walk, but it was very painful, you know? So I tried, I could only walk like five minutes, I go back. Now, but throughout the entire 10 months, um, I had my uh, so-called near-death experience. No, it wasn't really like I, I was uh, I was dead and came back to, no, it's nothing like that. But I was lying there. I wasn't sure what's wrong. Uh, I was looking at my kid. I couldn't move, couldn't really uh, talk much. Um, and three things happened, you know, as, as, I, as I'm lying there, uh, you have a lot of time to think and <laughs> on your life. So three things uh, came to, to my mind, which I hold on very tightly to today. Number one, Health is important. The reason why I said it is very practical. It was really painful. And I'm like, how am I going to get through this pain? I remember I was on. Um, so even when sometimes they inject me with uh, a medicine that is something like a morphine, as I understand. Mm. Uh, so it's like the Panadol don't work anymore. Uh, but, yeah. it, but it's still really painful. And I find it very difficult to get through it because pain is something that I don't know how to describe, but it's kind of like, uh, sometimes I describe it as when I was in the army, I broke my leg and it's almost that kind of intensity of pain, but this lasted for eight hours a day. Mm. It's really painful. So I'm like, okay, health is important because you don't want to go through something like that again. Yeah. So you better take care of your health. And I wasn't taking care of, taking care of my health. 
when I was on the trading desk, I was drinking, I was, you know, I wasn't taking care of my health at all. Mm. So I'm like, okay, okay, I better start thinking of taking care of my health next time. So that's one, right? Health is important. Now, secondly, um, relationships are important and nothing that is in the material matters because I wasn't thinking about anything material. I wasn't thinking about money, my car, my, nothing. I was thinking about, oh, how did I treat my friends, you know, uh, previously? Uh, how's my relationship with my parents? Mm. And I was looking at my son. And I'm like, okay, he's, I think he was about two years old then, two, one, one plus. I'm like, okay, this guy, if I pass away, then I cannot see him going to primary school, getting married and things like that. So I was just thinking about relationship. And of course, my wife, you know, she, she takes, mm. she's taking care of me and all that. And so I remind myself that ultimately life is about people, it's about relationship. I mean, sometimes we kind of know that, but at that moment, I know that it is true. I know that when I really pass away next time, I don't know whether I'm 40, 60 or 80, I'll be thinking about those things, right? So that informs me of how I want to view the world and the people around me today. Mm. Now, the final thing was about impact. I tell you, I look at myself and I think about what I do. And I say this with no judgment or offense to anyone who is doing any job, but just myself, you know, I was a trader yes. and whatnot. I look at myself, I'm like, mm, am I really creating impact in my previous jobs? I think there is some uh, that I can argue that, you know, perhaps when I was running uh, money for government, I'm like handling public money and what. But in my heart, I'm like, I think the nurse was attending to me, brought me so much comfort and she's really impacting me, a person. Again, here I'm talking about people. Mm. Of course, impact doesn't just mean people. Right? There's, there's yes. a lot more to it. But I tell myself that whatever I'm going to do from now onwards, I think I need to think about impact. So that was pivotal. And I hold on to that. And that, in, that impacts um, what I, how, I, how I want to build my team and so on and so forth. Now, the other thing was faith. So faith was pivotal to me. Um, because faith is an anchor, you know, we, we have some enlightenment or some learnings, but it's an anchor. And for me and my wife, that's, that's our faith. So back to uh, the question about then how do I build a team and uh, perhaps using stats as an example. Uh, stats was, was a little bit different because we, when we started, we actually already have uh, quite a big team. Uh, so it wasn't started from ground up from like two person. It wasn't like that. So when we started, uh, we already have a team of 50 developers in uh, China. And then we started building more people here in Singapore. And uh, as we grow, actually, uh, we, we built, we hired more in Singapore. And uh, so the other team kind of like uh, went down in terms of numbers. And, but basically, in terms of building culture, and then you talk about um, perhaps a technology firm that tend to have more male uh, and whatnot, uh, that is true. But I think ultimately it comes back to those things that I shared, the lesson that I learned, health, people, impact. It was really that, you know? So uh, from day one, I always tell the people a couple of things, and this kind of lay the foundation of culture. I say that to me, how well a startup is, is how good the people are, but also how well they work uh, with each other. And that's people, right? Uh, in terms of health, now when you have very good people, they tend to be um, overachievers in, the, in, in terms of, they tend, at least the, the team I had, many of them like to work late hours, long hours, they are, they are really hardworking. 
So then I find myself uh, always telling them that, hey, look, uh, you need to you need to slow down. So in fact, I find myself telling them, you can slow down. It's okay, you know, to take some time off. I don't need this to tonight at three a.m. Uh, but don't don't be burnt out. So I remember I always spend time talking to people about how potentially um, if you go on a certain trajectory, and because some of them are very young people, uh, fresh out of school, they think they can take over the whole world. And I've been through that when I was in my 20s, I think that I can take over. So I cannot understand where they are from and what they are trying to achieve. So then as the, as the older brother, <laughs> then I, I got to tell them like, yes, I, I appreciate that this is important, but be mindful that you don't get burnt out because these are the consequences of being burnt out. And that's not a good consequence. And it's a negative spiral down. So don't get there. So that's health, right? Uh, then finally, it's our impact. Um, I like to, no matter what we are doing, no matter what space we are in, what is the impact that we are bringing to society? I think it's important to be deliberate and intentional about thinking about that. Uh, I think no matter what industry you're in, there is some way that you can bring some positive impact to what you're doing. So I guess uh, it comes back to those couple of points and how to yeah. then practically weave it into building a culture and a team. I love that. You know, um, one of the things that a lot of people are talking about these days in terms of work and everything. So, so you know, meaningful work, um, purposeful work and all that. Um, and I remember one of our, um, on Flourish DX's platform, there's a video on, um, yeah, um, on that, um, just in terms of building um, uh, the PERMA. So, um, you know, uh, sort of positive psychology. And there was a video on just like, um, imagining your kind of eulogy I know this is very you know um, strange to talk about but it's like and when you were talking about just your kind of like um, prolonged period of just being um, you know like in, in ill health and actually don't even know whether you're going to wake up um, from this um, that really informed what you were doing for you know for right now and even um, when you were leading stacks so um, that just reminded me I was like my gosh Jay has actually gone through that but in real life and that's actually yeah. life-changing yeah. um, can, can I just he, add one yeah. small thing about about that episode because I think it's important um, when I fell sick so up to the point that I felt sick, it's like over, it came overnight. Up to that point, I've been in perfect health. I mean, I'm not, I wasn't leading a healthy lifestyle, but I've been in perfect health. Like I've never been to hospital in my life, actually. I've never been hospitalized. I've never taken more than like three days of medical leave. I've been perfect. And many times we think that bad things do not happen to me. I, I wasn't thinking of that. I was thinking of, Hey, look, and so anyway, that happened uh, at the tail end of my Cambridge of Masters. So I was coming out of Masters, I'm like, okay, I'm going to start up this AI startup or so and I'm at a peak of my life, you know. So bad things, we don't, we don't tend to think that bad things can, can happen to us, but it can. It can. And um, so that's also something else that is important. And it does inform how we want to lead our life because we don't really know what's going to happen to us tomorrow. But I don't say that with, from an angle of desperation or despair. I say that at a, from an angle of hope. Because if you, know, if you don't really know what's going to happen tomorrow, you do plan for long term, you do plan for the next 50 years, but you are making a plan based on whatever I'm doing today is going to be important and impactful for the next, I don't know, 50 years, mm -hmm. for example. Yeah. But yet, I need to prioritize today. I need to know that if... I don't know what's going to happen to me tomorrow. 
and there's some minor thing, there's some trivial argument whatsoever, then maybe that's not so important, you know, we got to mm. be planning, yeah. So I think that's also something that's very important that I, I realized uh, yeah. through the episode. Yeah. Well, I think um you've had a lot of perspective changes, which is really cool. And um, I know this episode is um airing uh first, you know, in, in January. So I think this hopefully would be a helpful kind of um as people, you know, start to plan for the year and all these things, you know, like I hope that that, you know, I, I'm sure Jay, you know, I mean, it's even helpful for me listening to it right now. Um, just to put things into perspective. So um, moving on from your time um, at that blockchain company, which, you know, is all the rage right now. So you, I, I feel like kind of like you're one of the OGs in terms of like doing it even before <laughs> it became kind of mainstream. Um, so um, now you're on to another startup um, and it's called WeShine. Um, can you tell us a bit about that? That really came um, because of covid so it was kind of at the beginning of COVID that, again, you know, the world is turned upside down and people started working from home. And in Asia, uh, at the beginning, we were, because we had, we, had our, we had our scars from SARS, right? So I remember at the beginning, people were rather worried. Uh, and then subsequently, it became worldwide. Uh, what it did for me was that it brought out I mean, many issues about around poverty and inequality has always been around, but I think that period um, surfaced that, not just to me, but I think to many people. I saw many reports being written about inequality. Uh, around that period, I think Channel News Asia carried many reports about how the poorest of the poor in our neighboring countries uh, really suffered. They have no food and whatsoever. And so it really got me. So I'm like, what can I do for these people? And uh, that intensified and became something that I cannot ignore. Uh, and I really wanted to get into that space uh, with the blessing of my friend uh, who, who now has to, so we were kind of like co-MD. Uh, so he now had to- On the <laughs> do, company do himself. himself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I was quite worried he'll kill me when I tell him that, you know, uh, I'm, I'm going to do this other thing. But anyway, uh, he, he, with his blessing, um, I transitioned out of, out of steps actively and started getting into the space of livelihood, looking at poverty alleviation. And when I started, to be honest, I don't have any idea what I'm going to do. So I didn't come into this thinking that, hey, I have this good business idea. I know the problem. I have no idea, but I know that the problems are out there. I wasn't sure what um, the world is doing. So I actually started looking at what the UN uh, is doing, what the efforts, International Labour Organization, uh, some of the there's a lot of effort around this space and it's a very complex and structural space as I got into it I realized that oh wow when we were trying to build stats we had these big dreams you know entrepreneurs tend to have a very big vision <laughs> and uh, when, I, when I was building the fintech we, we had big vision we were like okay we want to build the uh, infrastructure that can change finance and you know that was huge but when I, when, I started, when I started looking at in, into this space of poverty elevation, I realized that, wow, this is much bigger than anything that I can think of because it encompasses people again, uh, but also we're talking about jobs and skills and entrepreneurship, and we're talking about billions and billions of people. 
the base of economic, the base of pyramid, I think it, uh, according to the World Economic Forum, if I'm not wrong, they describe it as in the world, the bottom 60%. Mm. That's a lot of people. Now, in my mind, I'm like, okay, I'm in Asia. I know Asia better. So Asia as a whole, 4 billion people. If I'm talking about the bottom 20, 25%, that's a billion people. And that's a very complex area to get in to get into, you know. So, so that's that's how I basically started. That's the why. Uh, the mission is really to improve livelihood of people. Um, and it, it took many um, many other efforts of talking to people, understanding what's the real problem that eventually uh, became the form that uh, we are working on just over the last couple of months. Again, uh, I said, you know, before that, I kind of know the big problem, but I did I wasn't sure what to pinpoint into. And you know? it's kind of like, there's all these other efforts out there in the world. What is the best way for me with my knowledge and my resource, how, no matter how small it is, how can I fit into this entire ecosystem? Yeah, so with that, um, I think what we are doing is that we are trying to really provide tools and services for blue collar. So when I talk about, about blue collar, the bigger picture is that I think around ASEAN or Asia, uh, the poor tend to, I kind of classify them into two areas, uh, rural and urban. And so rural has its own problem set. So we are tackling the urban first because ur urbanization continues anyway. So mm -hmm. in that space, I think uh, people who are in the blue collar space, they lack a lot of tools and services that are available to people like you and me. We have no lack of hay hunters, LinkedIn and whatsoever, right? Yeah. Um, so how do we then make how do we then make some of these services more relevant to to this group? So today uh, we're, we're building something like a LinkedIn, but in a way that is a lot more relevant to to this group. Now, when I say LinkedIn, what are the what are the uh, objective? I think it's really about better recommendation of how to upskill yourself and then eventually how to get uh, better employment that suits not just your experience, but I think it's a lot more a lot more than that. It's about your Exploration, your personality, uh, perhaps even your skill set, um, because there's a lot of skill set that are common uh, across different industries. So how do we then use data and machine learning to bring that out? So that became something that we we thought. Well, that's something uh, within the bigger ecosystem that we can potentially contribute towards. Yeah, great. Um, that's really super exciting. Um, you've taken the time to study. Um, and, you know, with my hat on as a chief impact officer, um, you know, I think that that process is really important because a lot of time we go into a problem thinking that we know the solution and this works. But actually, the, the problems are actually, you know, the more you look at it, the it kind of gets confounding that how big the problem is and then trying to narrow in then to exactly what you're saying is that, you know, what, um, what are my skill sets and where can I help um, in, in, you know, in the giant kind of um, issue of, you know, poverty alleviation and, and livelihoods. So I'm, yeah, I'm really super excited. And of course, you know, we, we, we talk a lot. So anything that I, you know, we can help as well in terms of I'm um, helping you out in this area. Um, and I, you know, I think it's um like we, um, on the previous episode of just talking about workplaces, you know, a lot of times we think workplaces are, you know, people like myself and yourself, you know, behind a computer um, and, you know, in an office, but so much of the world, like majority of the world actually don't work like we do. And so I'm really passionate about just, you know, improving workplaces um, 
not just for you know the 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 CBD offices and all that, but workplaces across the board where people really do struggle and, you know, the opportunities are presented, you know, training opportunities, all of this is not as available as for people like, you know, like, like us who have gone through, like, you know, a corporate kind of, um, you know, graduate intake, all that kind of things. Um, we take that so much um, for granted. Um, so I guess um, in terms of the future, um, what are your hopes for workplace mental health and even what you're building out for, you know, the people and the users of your platform and even your own startup in terms of the people that you're hiring? Yesterday, I, no, actually it's not yesterday, this week, uh, Monday, I onboarded a new staff and I was just, so we, I kind of have like a reshine family booklet, right? And um, so I've not looked at that for a couple of months. So I went through that and right on top, uh, I wrote there, of course, improving livelihood of people, but I also wrote, um, in a way that flourishes people. And so coming into this podcast, you know, the word flourish um, was mentioned. And just five minutes before this podcast, I was just Googling, actually, what's the definition of flourish? Uh, the dictionary says to develop in a healthy way in a congenial environment. So then I Googled, uh, what's congenial? So it says pleasant and agreeable. So I think in terms of and then that really informs how we want to be looking at workplace and my hopes for the future um, develop in a healthy way. So when we think about not just our stakeholders, our users, the people we're trying to help, but also internally, the, the people that we work with from a day-to-day -day, uh, point of view, how do we help people develop in a healthy way? Right? So that again points me back to, um, of course, physical health and mental wealth. Mm. how do we be healthy in and out and then it goes on to say as i mentioned earlier congenial so pleasant and agreeable as an environment so i think perhaps we need to be mindful um, to make sure that we do things i don't uh, there's many things that can be done and uh, perhaps flash dx uh, would be one of those things that that presents a pleasant an agreeable environment. Now, I, I think agreeable does not mean that we surround ourselves with people who agree. That's not what it means. Yes, yeah. It means that when we are in conflict, how can we resolve conflict in an agreeable manner? Mm. Yeah, so I think as you asked me the question, it comes back to this word flourish. If we can do these things and people can flourish, yeah. then um, both in the workplace, you see, workplace is very interesting because it takes up so many hours of our life. And if people are able to flourish in the workplace, I think quite naturally, uh, there's a positive spillover into their outside of work life. Yes. So I guess uh, that's what comes to mind, this word flourish, which is so important. Yeah. Oh, great. I, I'm, I really hope that this is really uh, a beam of hope and encouragement as we, you know, set off in the, in the new year um, to really think about, yeah, what is it to mean um, to see people in our workplaces flourish and our stakeholders flourish. Um, and I'm just really excited for your journey in terms of starting this up um, to really impact the lives of blue collar workers, low wage workers, and how you can help them flourish um, where they're at as well and create opportunities and bring them opportunities that otherwise it would just be really, really difficult um, if the friction isn't removed 
from, you know, their job hunting process and their onboarding and everything else. Um, so I just want to wish you all the best, Jay. Um, just thank you for sharing your heart and just being really open about your, um, you know, near-death experience and all of that. Um, just like with mental health and just health issues, you just don't want to have to go through it to then have that kind of wake up call. Um, you know, hypothetically, I think like you always, like you kind of say, we do know it in our mind, um, but then it will be so much better to have to avoid if possible to going through that, that pain um, to then really see a change in how, you know, we live our lives and how we treat others and all of that. So thank you for sharing that. And um, yeah, just wishing you all the best. Um, and I guess this is, uh, for me, this would be, this is such a great podcast to start the year off. Um, very philosophical. So a little bit different from our other ones, which I, I think it's so great because I think to start the year um, and a new season being reflective and being purposeful, um, it, I think a lot of people will do that, hopefully, um, as, you know, kind of you plan. So thank you so much. And um, we really hope to have you back one day, like, you know, with a lot of our guests, um, just to hear their progress and where they're at and how, you know, their workplaces are changing and how they're changing other workplaces. Um, we'd love to hear, um, to have you back. So thank you for your time and wishing you a very, very blessed and successful uh, 2022. Um, so thank you for all the listeners who have um, joined us today. So just to remind you, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. And so you can follow us on the LinkedIn uh, podcast page to stay up to date with upcoming guests, which we're going to have many for um, the coming year. Um, and also to follow, um, follow Flourish DX on LinkedIn if you'd like to see the short clips of our conversations from the podcast. And you'll also find this video version um, on the Flourish DX YouTube page. And please do connect with Jay and myself on LinkedIn um, if you'd like to get in touch and continue the conversation. Um, we love LinkedIn for the fact that, you know, it's so easy to get connected now. So um, thank you very much and wishing you a very, very great day and week ahead. Bye. You've been listening to the Mentally Healthy Workplaces Asia podcast. To stay up to date with the best content on workplace mental health in Asia, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and join the Flourish DX community at www.flourishdx.com.